I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. Welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast. Now, for anyone that might have forgotten who I am, my name is Stephen Realston. I've not been on the podcast for a few weeks because my colleagues have been out in the United States of America on tour and they've come back and I've been absent, haven't I, Samuel? I've not been on the podcast today. I'm just joined by Samuel Luckhurst, obviously. You weren't so. in person. You weren't yeah. in person in the office the other day either. I know we, we, we have been feeling bereft. We, we really have. But it's, it's great to have you back on, Stephen. Thank you very much. I saw the Manchester Evening News were, were discussing or, or publishing an article, sorry, about uh, Morrison closures, Samuel. And my heart jumped for a moment because I thought the Morrison's next door office was going to close. <laughs> and that would be a disaster, wouldn't it, if that happened? Yeah, there, there would be there'd be literally nowhere to go for anything to eat. I don't think you'd, you'd, you'd it'd be quite a, quite the drive away. But yes, hopefully, hopefully a few more in person po- podcasts uh, this season. It, it, it was certainly certainly better uh, for, for myself and Ty doing that. Maybe, maybe not. We won't we weren't framed quite quite right in America. We looked like to um, we looked like those uh, Russian assassins in Salisbury a couple of years ago when they were saying that they were just going there to see the cathedral or whatever it was. So uh, yeah, we we didn't look great there. We looked a hell of a lot better the other day in the studio. I think you could frame it anywhere. You two still wouldn't look good. You know, <laughs> the help you can get both of you guys. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Samuel, there's reasons to be uh, cheerful on this sunny Friday afternoon in Manchester. Uh, the rain has gone away. The sun is back out. And the Premier League is back this weekend. Obviously, Manchester City played Burnley tonight. And Manchester United kick off their season on Monday night. The Monday night football fixture. Um, of course, against Wolves at Old Trafford. Me and you are headed along to that one. So it should be a cracker. Um, but I, I guess we'll start off today with a bit of transfer chat. And we'll look ahead to the game a bit later in the podcast, but there's plenty to get our teeth stuck into as usual. And the big story today in the last few days has been Harry Kane, Samuel. Will he? Will he not? Joined Bayern Munich and I've been reliably informed he's, he's getting he's on that runway now. He's going in the plane to Germany and he's signing a deal at Bayern Munich. Now, um, I remember someone describing uh, Eric Ten Hag as being obsessed about the prospect of signing Harry Kane to you earlier in the window or ahead of it opening in fact now for me Harry Kane seemed like the dream signing really Samuel he's a guarantee of goals isn't he but I guess as the summer progressed at the very start he just felt increasingly untainable so was it always a bit unrealistic do you think as as the weeks and the months progressed um, as far as United's interest was concerned? I think it was in April when I did the story that they wouldn't play games with, with Levy and then about a month later it was it was all but 
over for, for United and, and going for Kane. I, don't, I, I think they're always reluctant to say we will absolutely not sign him just on the off chance that the possibility arose. But it, it realistically, it, it was never going to. And Bayern Munich have probably done, they've, they've done Tottenham a favour and they've probably done Kane a favour as well. And that they're the only club that have come in. They've given Tottenham a lot of money for him. He gets to go to a club where his chance of success uh, will, will rock it. He's, he's almost certain to win a, a title with Bayern Munich. He'll have a very good chance of winning the Champions League as well and he'll be playing the Champions League every season that he's there. But as far as, as United were concerned, they made quite a quick decision that they weren't going to go near him unless there was any shift from, from Daniel Levy. And, and certainly when, when Levy was told by the Tottenham owner, Joe Lewis, that he had to sell Kane or get him tied down on a new contract this summer, you you did wonder there, perhaps United, might they might come into the reckoning. I think under previous... Um, uh, the previous stewardship they probably would have yeah, it's been well documented that Ed Woodward when, when everyone knew that Gareth Bale was going to Real Madrid it still there you had Ed Woodward and David Moyes bidding for Gareth Bale to the point that they actually United outbid Real Madrid uh, that summer in 2013 and it was a it was a world record deal that Bale went to Real Madrid but Bale had no interest in going to United he just wanted to go to Real Madrid and that was just Levy trying to drag it out trying to drag it out and of course this has been dragged out uh, it, with Kane this and, and, and him getting a transfer it was always going to be done in August at the very earliest and you still wouldn't be surprised if it drags on a little bit further but United were quite decisive in you know moving on from him and going to that next tier of of options and eventually they plumped for for Rasmus Hoyland and certainly uh, you know it's at the moment it, it doesn't look great that Kane is scoring four goals at the weekend for Tottenham and Hoyland might not actually play this month as he as he recovers from a back injury, but the comparison and and the judgments will be will be you know coming pretty thick and fast over, over the course of the season. Uh, unfortunately for Hoyland, he he will be judged against strikers who are who who are frankly far better than him at the moment. But if he can you know replicate their form for United, then uh, the, the whole thing about the fee and. And going for him over Kane, that will be rendered moot. But that United might be able to brag about that in, in maybe a two or three years down the line, uh, rather than any time in, imminently. I mean, it'd be fantastic for Hoyland to, to hit the ground running. The team desperately needs a goal scorer. They kind of need that to happen. But realistically, I guess at the end of the season, in his first year in England, at 20 years old, he's still very raw. I think 15 goals would probably be a good return, Samuel. Um, yeah, it's I agree. a lot of money invested in them, um, but it's a long-term investment, isn't it? The, a bit like Anthony, the, the paying that money for the player, the thing he can become instead of the player he currently is at the moment. Um, do you think there's going to be any more incomings then, Samuel, uh, this summer? I mean, we've had Mason Mount, Andrew Nana, and obviously Holland, as we just, uh, that was a bad pronunciation, uh, <laughs> coming in so far. So three signings. And I know there's been a few names heavily linked, uh, Amrabat, but probably the Italian media have overplayed that. Um, the midfielder, obviously, uh, Moroccan for Fiorentina, who's excellent in their European campaign. So uh, does it really depend on outgoings, I guess? Because there's still a lot of players that need to be shifted. Namely, when you think about it, Harry Maguire, obviously West Ham are interested in him and they've lodged a bit, haven't they? And they've agreed some framework to, to sign him. 
Yeah, it's, it's contingent on, on outgoings mainly. They they will try and get a centre-half if or when Maguire goes. Maguire is still a United player and, and Ten Hag suggests that he'd be available for the Wolves game uh, today. That, that could change come match day. Uh, it's still... That game's what's still more than 72 hours away, so that there, there could be some movement there that actually, you know, Maguire ends up on Monday evening in London rather than in Manchester. Uh, so... Certainly, sent half is that you look at it. They are quite short there, so it's it's not a surprise that they'd want to do business and get one of uh, get get a defender in or a defensive minded player. Uh, McTominay didn't get brought up uh, at the press conference today, but where he's been injured, his his situation, it felt like he was going, and now he's now it feels like he's staying. But there could still be you know. A, change there and if, if that is the case then United would have to get in a midfielder but the word from United was that when Maynou got injured the chances of uh, McTominay going subsided quite significantly the goalkeeper situation is is a really curious one it's 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 never ever felt settled all summer really uh, beginning with 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 De Gea's con- contract uh, for Argo in that you've now got Tom Heaton who is injured unfortunately and out for a few weeks with a calf strain Radic Vitek uh, has been injured he was doing some individual work while we were filing our copy at Carrington earlier and you've got Dean Henderson uh, it, it seems like at this stage I, I'd be surprised if United let Dean Henderson go because they are, they're otherwise leaving themselves very short because Masai Kova... Samuel, is it wrong for me to, to feel sorry for Dean Henderson at this stage? Sorry for interrupting. I'm going to start a hashtag, hashtag free Dean Henderson because, I mean, he's wanted to leave for the last two seasons now. He thinks he's the number one goalkeeper and he probably deserves the chance to, to kind of kick on and play regular football. He enjoyed himself on Nottingham Forest. We all saw that. Um, he thought he was going to sign for Forest. He picked up that fire injury, didn't he? towards the end of last season and I, I do feel a bit sorry for him if he's now kept on the books obviously for that injury to Tom Heaton and he's, he's forced to play second fiddle to an honour it's, it's not an ideal situation for him is it? No and two years ago he, he had that bout of Covid that prevented him from becoming United's number one and when he was fit again Solskjaer uh, was was too soft to um, to, to get rid of David De Gea and, and put Henderson in so he, he reneged on his pledge that he was going to install Henderson as number one unfortunately for him this year that thigh injury that he sustained in January was was worse than they thought at the time so then he had surgery in May that sidelined him for three months as as I think I wrote at the time and Forrest have been a little bit tentative about Buying him outright, buying him quickly. I think if he if he didn't have that thigh injury last season, he'd probably be a Forest player by now. So it's not a great situation for him. There's a Euros next summer as well. He'd have thought get a move, play regularly, hopefully get back into the England squad despite the the, the pretty fierce competition there with Pope, Ramsdale, and and Pickford. But the way it's going, it wouldn't be a surprise if he's marooned at United for another season, which. It's not ideal for him. It's not ideal for United either because they they were hoping to bank a good fee for him and they were certainly discussing the possibility of loaning him to Forest with an obligation to buy but setting the appearance mark at quite a low number so that they would get that money in in January. So the, the money they bank this summer and in the winter, that would help them be in compliance with the profitability and sustainability rules. And Henderson is a sellable asset, but the way it's going because of 
Heaton's own misfortune, uh, the misfortune for Henson could be that he actually ends up staying at United. United do want to sign another goalkeeper. Uh, obviously, Zion Suzuki uh, rejected them earlier this month to, to join uh, STVV in, in, in Belgium because he was going to get more regular playing time there. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went down the journeyman style route towards the end of the window. Dubravka came in on deadline day last year and there are probably a dozen goalkeepers in the Premier League and the Championship, maybe more that you would look at their profile and you'd think, yeah, I could absolutely see United just bringing him in as as, as backup, someone who's happy to be a number three and and that happening towards the end of the window. I, I, you know, I don't think there's any immediate rush there, but I, I suppose given the injuries and it's not just Heaton who's injured uh, you know, Vitek has also got an injury it's that they're pretty light in, in goal at the moment and to, to the point that Henderson might have to be parachuted into the matchday squad on Monday and this is someone who has has not played since January so it's not ideal uh, however way you look at it It's a bit of a mess with the goalkeepers at the moment um, a name who's worth following Samuel I just point out to listeners is Eli Harrison 17 years old he's coming through the academy at the moment but he's really really uh, well regarded in the academy when you, you talk to staff um, when you go to a games he's supposed to have a bright future ahead of him <clears throat> pardon me so if you keep an eye out for his name uh, in the near future anyways Samuel you were just discussing centre-halves there and obviously uh, Harry Maguire is the most uh, probably logical candidate to leave next uh, to West Ham the names that are getting bounded around obviously uh, Benjamin Pavard from Bayern Munich he's naturally a right back so for me I'm not sure uh, that would be the best signing in the world and obviously there's interest in as well um, in Bayer Leverkusen's Edmund Tapsoba so what, do either of those names kind of really appeal to you and as well I guess it's a bit of a, a hard sell is it not I mean the allure of Manchester United will always be there and they're going to pay good wages and it's a good project to join but you've got uh, Lissandra Martin is there and Raphael Varane who are the established first choice centre-halves and I guess if you're signing for the club at the moment you know you're going to slot in as third choice in that pecking order aren't you and obviously Lindelof's still there he's going to still be fighting for his place as well Yeah I th- what I was told with Tapsoba was that he, he would want assurances that he'd be going in as a starter and I don't think anybody any centre-half who joins United uh, would would be given that that guarantee i suppose if you want to look at it a bit more optimistically from uh, f- from the player's perspective or a center half with aspirations of joining united's perspective uh, varan is is not the most durable of defenders i think however way you look at it with with an eye on next summer i think we're all looking at that as a time where united would absolutely need to sign uh, a, a you know a high level high quality centre back maybe that will happen sooner uh, if, if Maguire does go because they will need a replacement but whoever comes in it's it's not going to be someone that they see as oh he's just a filler I think it will certainly be someone that they see as having potential to be a starter and I suppose using the word potential with a 24 year old like Tapsoba or Benjamin Pavard who's very well known and won the World Cup with France uh, is is a little bit premature but in, in Pavard's case I th- that, that would be somewhat odd I don't think he's necessarily the right profile of, of centre-back to come in I know he, he's, he obviously played at, he has played at right-back a lot I think Bayern Munich originally signed him as a right-back but he can play at centre-half as well I think Bayern Munich's a good fit for him um, and that's the reason why he's been there for, for five years. They, they signed him after the World Cup as well, I think. I think they signed him from Stuttgart. 
but coming to the Premier League, I, I question the physicality, and also he would probably intend to start. And if if there's a place for him to start in the defence, you'd probably say it should be at right back because there's there's a credible argument that he's a better right back than any of the two that United have at the moment. But it's it's a centre back you want as cover and. Again, if if you were to cut corners, you could possibly say, well, Luke Shaw's a centre back. Those those are your four centre backs: Varane, Martinez, Lindelof, and Shaw. But it doesn't work that way. They they want, want four specialists Malassia, there. Even would you, Shirley, in, in the biggest games? No, no. And and Malassia is also injured at the moment, and he's been injured for quite some time. He came back in pre-season with a problem. Ten Hag said today, and he's still. Um, I mean, Ten, Ten Hag wasn't particularly clear with his injury bulletin, but he suggested that he was still a few weeks off. So you're looking at post, post-September post internationals for him to, to, to get a look in at United. So that's that's already that's a, that's a two-month absence because he didn't get a kick on across the pre-season games uh, because he, he came back injured. So that, however way you look at it, in, at centre half, they will be light if Maguire goes, and they they absolutely need a replacement to come in. I do think they will get a replacement to come in because they they can't take the risk of having such a shallow pool of of centre backs, and especially when you factor in uh, Varane's Varane's general brittleness. I tell you what, man. Do you remember? Havard's goal at the 2018 World Cup I think it was against Argentina yeah against Arge- oh, Argentina oh. yeah round of 16 it was like me and five aside wasn't it it was beautiful I don't think he was 35 yards out but it was certainly it was the goal of the tournament there was that yards. beautiful camera angle behind it where you saw because obviously it curved outside and then it went back in the yeah, post it was uh, it was mind-bending stuff it was yeah it was like something from the Matrix it was a truly great goal I was in goal. Berlin watching that actually I was travelling in Berlin that day and I was watching in a hostel and there was some very happy French fans, uh, I believe. Anyways, we'll leave that there for part one and we'll be back in a moment for part two. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, Samuel, I looked uh, at Tenog Spend actually for a piece. I think it was last week. And I posted out on social media, obviously. And I racked up the money he'd spent. Um, on his eight signings so far across the two summers. Obviously, he wasn't really backed in January, was he? Just uh, getting wild work hosting and obviously uh, the goalkeeper on loan as well, Jack Butland. But if you total it all up um, without add-ons, I may add, it's £364 million that he's spent uh, so far at the club. Now, for me, Samuel, I said on Twitter, and I got some, some people disagreeing with this, but I think that's objectively the manager being backed, isn't it? It's a lot of money. Yeah, uh, how, how I mean, one Twitter. Who who cares what what people on Twitter think by and large? But also, um, I, I don't know why anyone would would dispute that. Uh, he he has undeniably been backed. Uh, I think they've possibly spent more this summer than maybe maybe we anticipated. The noises that Murta made on the the fans forum last year were you know it was almost as if it was going to be reined in. But in the end, they've 
they've invested I think it's £179 million in the three signings they've made and if they get a centre-back in as well that's probably going to take them over £200 million in what they've committed to to, to four players at the very least he, he has had enviable backing I, I, I don't see why I, I don't see why my fans would um, would query that. I, I think it's it's pretty factual. I thought you, yeah, exactly. I, I thought I thought you'd agree with that as well. I mean, it's it's a lot of money. It's a hell of a lot of money. I guess the problem is when you look, when you look at the season and the expectations. Um, we're going to come on to that a bit later. Actually, what our hopes are, anyways, where we think United or what they're going to do this season. Um, but you look at the teams around United at the moment, Manchester City, the, the squad depth they have, they've almost got two uh, starting lineups, don't they? Arsenal have spent a lot of money as well in the last two seasons. But, I mean, that's a big outlay. But for me, Samuel, it still feels like United are probably hoping for third at, at, at best at the moment. It, it kind of feels like the one or two top signings, I guess, away from bridging that gap to the top of the league. And Harry Kane probably was that player for me, that if they did bring Harry Kane in, they maybe could close on a, a Manchester City and actually mount a, a credible title charge. Uh, that, that's that's certainly my reservation going into the season. They they're always going to spend big on a striker, and everyone knew they needed a dependable goal scorer. And you you can't say that they've they've got that. You look at Rasmus Hoyland's scoring record at Copenhagen, Sturm Graz, Atalanta. You. You cannot truthfully say he is a proven goal scorer. He might be for United. Maybe Ten Hag is the coach to tap into that potential and make him into you know, transform him into one of the elite strikers on the planet. But I always felt United needed that that guarantee uh, of of goals, and th- they haven't got that, and that is going to be a problem. And Ten Hag has you know, talked about other options in the meantime, whilst Hoyland's injured. It's not. It's it's not an ideal set of circumstances. Uh, Kane was when United say that they got their first choice target in Hoyland, they're they're half correct. He was their first char- He was their first choice attainable target. They deemed, but the, the one Ten Hag would have loved to have had was was Kane. And if you put Kane in that team immediately, you'd be talking about them as as potential title challengers. I think there's a very good chance they will. Uh, remain in the top four this season maybe this is a season of as far as top four goes of of, conso- of consolidation even if they drop down to fourth and, and, and end the season in fourth it's not a major disaster but they've the, the aim has got to be to have a better season than last season and if they finish in the top four and they win the FA Cup that would still be considered a success I think but there of course does have to come a point where so much money has been invested in the in the team and the squad and let's face it the the team rebuild is over and done with now for for, for now anyway the squad rebuild is still ongoing but that team you've got uh, Ten Hag's signing is in goal there's a centre-back who's his signing the two midfielders are his signings a winger is his signing when Hoyland's fit that's his signing Rashford, Shaw they sign new contracts on Ten Hag's watch Fernandes was made the captain Varane's a World Cup winner and was a great player for Real Madrid so why the hell wouldn't you want him in your team and I suppose at right back if if you were to put Dallow there he's another player who signed a contract a new contract under Ten Hag so it's a team that he has assembled in his image that he he has to be content with now at the very least when, when they're all available and, and fit and it'll be interesting to see how often that eleven is actually selected this season because it never does quite quite pan out the way that we, we put it down on paper in, in pre-season 
but I, I certainly, as as far as a, a title challenge goes, United aren't even really Ten Hag isn't really talking up the, the, the possibility of that. He, he's he's using phrases like raise the bar, and if they were to finish second this season behind City, that's that's not necessarily a bad season. That would that would be a progressive season, given that they finished third last season. But as you know, as much as people say about the, the spending of the other clubs and how they've strengthened Liverpool squad, it's still not in this state that Jurgen Klopp would be happy with. I wouldn't imagine. Uh, you've got the the Caicedo drama going on there now. I, I was told this morning that Chelsea was still confident of signing him, which is pretty remarkable when Liverpool have just had a 110 million pound bid uh, accepted, and th- th- there are noises that Brighton are just absolutely refusing to sell him to Chelsea. Uh, Arsenal have you know, Declan Rice is an excellent signing. Uh, they they have they have strengthened. I think they have got a better squad than they had last season, and their their business is not necessarily done. City have lost some key players, but they've still got they've still got probably the best core squad in the league. I don't think anybody could really dispute that in terms of their first eleven, their second eleven. Um, they've they've plugged the gaps and they've they've signed an, an absolutely excellent centre back in in uh, Guardiola as well. I believe his his name is pronounced. Uh, so the the competition is is still fierce, but it's not. I don't think it's as daunting as it maybe was at the start of last season when City and Liverpool were absolutely the best in class. Arsenal had invested a hell of a lot of money. Tottenham had qualified for the Champions League. Uh, and, and Chelsea had as well. They they obviously uh, win the Champions League last season, so I think that's the way United have to look at it. There are more. There are they are a much more formidable team uh, at at the start of this season than they were at the start of last season. And I don't think the competition with the other five or six clubs is as daunting. Newcastle have obviously muscled their way in and have made a couple of good signings, but still, I think it would take a lot for them to be able to consolidate top four this season uh, I know obviously they've they've got grand plans to, to be uh, to have tangible success and maybe that will come in time but you look at their squad and you wouldn't necessarily say it's one of the top four squads and they had a terrific season to finish their last last season so that that's the way United have to look at it I, I, I at, the, at this stage I mean we we get asked to do predictions of course and um uh, you know, it's it's always tricky at this point because you, you want you obviously the season's about to start, so you you ask for your prediction. But also the transfer window's open for three more weeks, and United squad could still look quite different. It could actually be stronger, and it might give um, you know punters like us more confidence that they'll they'll finish higher in the table. But I'd I'd certainly probably have them down to finish third or fourth the way it's going at the moment. I, I certainly don't think that they'll. You know, as a as a prediction, I don't think they'll be you know falling out of the top four the way it's going. Tottenham haven't sufficiently strengthened, and they're about to lose their talisman by the looks of things. And who did United sign after the first few weeks of the season uh, last year, Samuel? A certain man called Casemiro. <laughs> Cas- wasn't a, Casemiro wasn't a bad signing, was he? <laughs> in the end, uh, no, thought, no, no. In terms of so, yeah, in terms of the point you're making, absolutely. Uh, that that did that definitely put different complexion on United last season as well. Given that we were all saying, "What the hell are they doing?" They've not got a midfield still, and then they brought in a proper midfielder. And you know, I, I think without him last season, I certainly don't think they'd have they'd have finished third. 
well, we could all see it, couldn't we? And I guess in a bit of a warped way, it was kind of good that Brentford game happened because it, it made Ten Hag sit up and go, hang on a minute, I'm going to need someone else in here. I can't kind of play in the Ajax way of the control in midfield um, and the way he was trying to go about it anyways. Um, I've been quite impressed though, Samuel, with the, the business, not just obviously the incomings, but the outgoings as well. And I think it's it's going a bit simple at the moment. It's all going a bit too, too good and straightforward. United are signing players that they want and they seem to be getting rid of players that they don't want. And finally, the deadwood is being shifted, isn't it? I mean, there's still a long way to go, but Twan Zabi, he left uh, on the expiry of his deal. Obviously, Phil Jones as well, uh, around two months ago now. But there's some names that are leaving. Fred's, there's interest from Turkey. He's expected to leave. Um, we've been talking about Dean Henderson, obviously. Um, even to the to the depths of Kovar, who you talked about, looking to get €9 million Euros for him from Bayer Leverkusen. So the club are oper- operating quite well on, on at the moment in the in the transfer market and I guess does, does John Murta have to take some credit for that because he's made a bit of a difference hasn't he over the last few years the, the, the way it's going they're on course to have at the very least a satisfying transfer window in that whatever fans may think of the identity of the signs they've made they are players that Ten Hag wanted uh, I mean Mason Mount you look at you look at the, the four biggest deals in Europe this summer of uh, Kane Bellingham Rice and and Caicedo, if if that's to happen as well, three of them are midfielders. I would I'd have either of them over Mason Mount. I know they you know different roles etc. But objectively, I just think those three are better midfielders than Mason Mount. But I'm also not the United manager, and I don't have this worldview of how United play or how they need to play. And I think Mount, from Ten Hag's perspective, he is suited to what he needs. So. You know that that's the that's the difference in terms of looking at it from one's one's own opinion and and the man and looking at it from the manager's perspective as well. And Arno, I think everybody would would agree they've they've got an upgrade in, in goal there in terms of a complete goalkeeper. He, he might not necessarily pull off the spectacular as De Gea still was able to do last season, but he comes off his line. He he pings passes effortlessly. He underpins attacks and United needed that because the inability to do that last season it was it was preyed on by by certain clubs uh, most most recently in, in in the FA Cup final by City where United just really struggled to lay a glove on them because they they couldn't carry the ball up the pitch and they didn't have uh, the, the adequate ball players in in the team to do that, and as far as the outgoings go, th- there will be more of them. Uh, the, the noise is uh, sounding quite promising on on Fred going, Donny Van der Beek. Because there've been discussions with Real Sociedad about him leaving permanently, which absolutely needs to happen. So if Fred goes, if Van der Beek goes, if Maguire goes, Bai as well is another one who you know. It's easy to forget him, but he is still he is still lingering. But it, there's a pretty decent chance that all four of them will no longer be United players when the transfer window closes. And we we said, in, in, you know, long before the window opened, that there had to be arguably a greater emphasis on outgoings and incomings this summer at United. And that's the way it seems to be panning out now that they've got the the three main targets in 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 Mount uh, Anana and Hoyland and that has to be part viewed as part of the success of the transfer window that the players they get rid of and uh, the more players they get rid of the the you know the, the sooner this the squad rebuild can can be completed and Ten Hag may you know say well it's never completed you're always looking to improve and I get that but 
that there were still relics from uh, the, his his pre his permanent predecessor there that uh, they could well do with being shot of. Do you think after not being included on the preseason tour and not being given a provisional squad number that Eric Bayes finally got the message that he's not wanted? Do you think it's been clear enough? It was suggested that he he left Carrington even hadn't he like that he's cleared out his locker or some Instagram post I've I, I didn't see the post but somebody uh, relayed it to me so uh, yeah he's he's not the first he's not the first player to have suffered that uh, that embarrassment of having their squad number revoked in in pre season but th- those players in in recent years I think it was like James Wilson Tyler Blackett you know they're pretty small fry the the most infamous. Um, Example was uh, Victor Valdez in 2015. That that spiralled very very quickly. It's uh, it's it's pretty crazy to think that was that was eight years ago. But he uh, he, he didn't endear himself to Lou Van Gaal during a training session, and before he knew it, he didn't have a squad number. He didn't have a place in the squad, and he was transfer listed. If you look at Victor Valdez's Wikipedia, it always makes us laugh. It's Barcelona, Manchester United, and then Middlesbrough just finds itself there uh, somewhere on the page, <laughs> which is always interesting. Standard, standardly age as well, I think he was at, wasn't he? Yeah, good yeah. shout. Good shout. Bit of a downgrade towards the end. Um, anyways, we'll wrap that up for part two. We'll be back in a moment for part three. Samuel, we obviously do have an actual real-life football game, a Premier League game after so many months of a lack of action on Monday night. As mentioned, Manchester United taking on Wolves, who are, fair to say, probably in disarray at the moment, uh, losing Lopetegui, a um, bit of a mess, really. Uh, he agreed to leave the club, and he's been replaced by Gary O'Neill, who did a, a great job at Bournemouth, keeping them up, really excelled, to be fair, to keep them in the Premier League. But I think he's got a big, big challenge ahead of him uh, at Molyneux anyways this season. I think that they're a bit of a mess. So in terms of as, as how far what we're expecting, for the game really I think it's going to be a straightforward contest there's probably no point in talking about that but regarding the starting lineup, I think there's a few positions that have probably got a, a bit of uncertainty around them I'd say right back and left wing those positions are probably up for grabs uh, we saw a battle didn't move Aaron Wambasaka and Diego Dallo develop in the second half of last season despite Dallo starting the, the campaign in glittering form so if you had to pick between those two Samuel obviously on the open day I've not saw your panel yet so a bit of a spoiler for me um, who would you who would you lean towards at the moment really because for me it would be Juan Basaka I think Dallo's got to earn that place um, he ended the season didn't he as the first choice right, right back so really I, I don't see any reason to, to change that now for the opening day I, I certainly see your logic but with again if you're looking at it through the, 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 the manager's eyes Dallo is the is, is the right back who they've invested in they've given a new contract to I think he's the more rounded right back it's you know, it's it's not it's not great that he's not played well in six or seven months. I mean, he's not he's not had a very good calendar year. Uh, he's he's as, as I said before, he's he's still not quite recovered from that injury he got on on uh, international duty with Portugal at the World Cup. And and Wan-Bissaka has actually had a, a pretty good twenty twenty three, but I wasn't particularly convinced by him in in pre season. And you, it's easy to forget Wan-Bissaka is technically into the last year of his contract. There's the plus one option that will inevitably be triggered. But the the way I see it is that United should be looking... I mean, they're, they're looking at Jeremy Fringpong already this year, but certainly looking ahead to next year, I would say that they absolutely need a new right-back and a right-back who's not just better than Wembsaka, but better than Dallow. 
And at that point, you think, well, they should be selling Wan Bissaka, and that's not to say that he's he's got to be treated as um, as as a lost cause for this season or, or or almost a nuisance. You've got to make the most of him because he's there. Uh, but I just he's he's four years in at United, which is actually not as long as Dallo. Dallo joined in twenty eighteen. Wan Bissaka came a year later. But with Wan Masaka, what you see is what you get. I don't think that he's ever going to change there. With Dallo, I think he he has got the skill set at both ends that makes him a more appealing right back uh, to have in your team when he's at his optimum, and he's got to get back to that level. And he he hasn't. He's he's taken his time. Um, he's taken far too long. Uh, he made a mistake for for Lons's goal last week with a very careless pass, but. You, when you look at the game against Dortmund in, in Las Vegas, Dallow's goal uh, in the first half and then uh, Anwan Bissaka's field goal in the second half at the stadium which is hosting the Super Bowl uh, next year. Wan Bissaka is not, attack, he's not an attacking right back and he's 25 years old and he's, he's not going to change. Gonna, he's, he's made progress but he's not he doesn't he's made progress he gets up the field he has a good understanding with Anthony which is you know an unlikely alliance and credit to him he's he's certainly revived his United career because it, it did look like he was done about a year ago but he is a player that they were trying to get rid of uh, this time last year and uh, I don't think what he's done this year is you know it's, it's good but as Ten Hag says good is not always good enough and I, I, I don't think he's a good enough right back for United for the long term I, I completely agree I'm on the same page long term and ironically I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said I think maybe they will need a better right back than Dallow as well and that's where my kind of argument comes from I guess for all Dallow has improved and I think he's made tremendous progress he, he's definitely the early form um, at the start of last season he was among the best right backs or maybe even the best right back in the league to be fair um, for the first three months but I've always had doubts about his defensive side of, the, of, of his game when he's up against a, a genuinely very good at maybe elite winger he tends to struggle and I'm just not convinced I mean you've said Juan Basaka isn't an attacking fullback is Dallo a defensive fullback is he really capable in those one-on-one situations and in, in, in an aerial duel so I, I don't know how you see that really with Dallo he's, he's certainly I mean Juan Basaka's a better defensive right back I don't think anybody I don't think even Dallow's family members would uh, would would dispute that necessarily, but they are they are playing against Wolves at, at Old Trafford, and Wolves have got to be one of the favourites for relegation. You look at Wolves' squad; United have got to go on the attack. I don't see any reason for them to uh, to play it remotely safe in in an area like that. You, you want to you you want your fullbacks playing high up, or in this age of inverted fullbacks coming into midfield and mucking in midfield and, and trying to vary it up and, and Wambasaka is is trying to adapt to that as well. We we saw it on pre season and you know fair play to him. I thought he was pretty good in the Arsenal game, but unfortunately after that his his performance level was was, was pretty pretty poor or, or certainly forgettable. Uh but really th- I think that is and this is a phrase I've used before with it as well probably it does feel like it's a bit of a toss of the coin at right back because there's there's not a lot the, the the pros and the cons they're almost equal for both and and sometimes it, it just depends on uh maybe maybe it just depends on what side of bed Tenar gets up in the morning I I don't know but there's there's not there's not been a lot between them over the last year Dallow was good in the first half of last season Wambasaka was good in the second half of last season to the point I actually thought Wambasaka overall had a better season because he did overcome the difficulties of the first three or four months to 
regain his place and have a, a strong end to it. And he was certainly United's best player in the FA Cup final as well. Yeah, he deserves immense uh, praise. I think he should. Uh, a lot of character to fight back into the team. And it's worth going and look at uh, our colleague Tyrone Marshall's interview with Juan Bosaka. I think that was published yesterday um, from the tour where he discusses that and, and kind of the fight to get back into the team. Um, this wouldn't this wouldn't be a conversation, Samuel, if they'd actually signed the one who got away in the summer of 2021. Do you know who I'm referring to in the right-back position? Uh, Kieran Trippier. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Well done. Yeah. Him, that, that, was, that was... Million, weren't that, from Atletico Madrid, but he would have been a fantastic addition. And at that time, mentality-wise, he would have been huge for that dressing room. He was He was uh, so keen to join United. I think the first story I did on him that summer, it was it was, it was actually quadruple sourced. I had four separate sources telling me about... Um, the, the possibility, probability, uh, likability uh, of, of Trippier and United, but it, it didn't happen in the end. And uh, again, that's that's not a great ringing endorsement for Wan Bissaka. Solskjaer was trying to get a, an upgrade in what two years after spend investing fifty million on Wan Bissaka. So, yeah. Uh, left wing then Samuel I think that's the only other position probably worth debating I mean I've put I'd, I'd still go I'd still go Gar- yeah I'd, st- I'd Garnacho had a very good game against Lons so I'd go with him and Rashford even though you've got Rashford up front he's not a striker he, he shouldn't be playing there very often at all he is a stopgap but the payoff is you get Garnacho on the left and um and, and Rashford is more experienced of, of playing through the middle than Sancho. Although I think Sancho's actually done quite quite decently as this in this false nine role. I think he's he's, he's built grad some gradual momentum. It was a slow start in in the Oslo game. I, I didn't see the Edinburgh game against Leon. Obviously, you were there at that, so you're a, a better judge. But I thought he did okay with his stints um, in in the US games, and then. Uh, over in Ireland last week, he he did okay, but the the ch- unfortunately for him, the chance that he got in that game, he uh, he didn't take it. He's looked sharp. He's definitely looked sharp in those central positions, but I have my doubts as well because I think back to that Leicester game when he came off the bench. Uh, was it three 0 in April time at Old Trafford? Uh, when they beat Leicester, it might have been March to be fair. Um, but anyways, Sancho came on. He he played centrally. He played as an attacking midfield, and he looked excellent. And then in the bigger games and against better opposition, he was played a bit centrally again and he just wasn't nowhere near as effective and the experiment kind of failed and they reverted to playing back on the wing. Um, It's important as well, Samuel, I guess just before the end of the podcast, the big news today um, about Mason Greenwood, that the club would delay the decision uh, on his return. So could you tell us a bit about that really? Because you wrote that line today uh, with that information, what's been fed on and what's the latest really from the club? Well, we were told. I was. I even wrote in the summer, uh, maybe as far back as June, that United's intention was to clarify his future before the start of the season. And figures from United reiterated that to those of us who travelled and covered the club on, on the pre-season tour of the United States. Uh, that the word that was used from United was imminently uh, this week. You, you check in with people at the club. Is there a time frame on this? Is it coming? I think on Wednesday we were told it wouldn't be Wednesday and it wouldn't be Thursday, and that isn't that doesn't mean to say it will be Friday. Of course, Friday has come. We got a message drop this morning. There wouldn't be an announcement today, and eventually it's been confirmed that there will not be an announcement before the Wolves game. Uh, someone uh, I spoke to separately said that it's there's there's a chance it it won't even be next week. 
uh, it's I mean this this deadline was imposed seems a strong word but United did say that they wanted to uh, that their intention was to communicate the the findings of their investigation before the start of the season before their first game of the season they've they've reneged on that and so there's a delay now and already it, it looks you know it's gonna I, I don't I don't know what the feedback has been like out on uh, among the fan base but it's it's becoming quite inordinate now and it's 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 frustrating from our perspective because we've we've received information we've relayed it to readers to supporters that the intention is that this announcement was going to be made before the start of the season and that's not the case now so it's it's frustrating on a number of levels uh it's i think by the time it's announced it will have been a six and a half month investigation and i know it's obviously an extremely delicate matter but really united should have communicated the findings by now uh, the chief executive richard arnold is uh, the man who will make the final decision on on what happens with mason greenwood it's not it's not joel glazer it's not afram glazer they've they've delegated richard arnold to to take that decision so that's how things stand at the moment uh, obviously there's a a, a group has, has sprung up uh, on on twitter today i think it's is it female fans against greenwood's return they they issued a a statement on online and they they plan to protest at the at the game on uh, sorry ahead of the game on monday i think it's pretty sad that these these women have you know they've got behind a strong cause but when they're putting their statements out and when when they're communicating they're having to turn comments off on uh, on, on on the platforms because of the, the the vile abuse that they they can see coming they know they're going to get it so they don't they don't want to allow people to to be that hateful uh, it's a sad state of affairs uh, because it's it's a very you know it's, it's actually quite brave of them to stick their heads above the parapet and um and, and protest against uh, the, the, the possible the, the possible judgment that united make on greenwood so it's uh, it's something that really should have been resolved a long time ago and it's not ideal for united that now that that we now we're coming into the season this this decision is going to be communicated during the season uh, the, the the coverage of it is is going to be even more intense it was always going to be uh, a story that was was going to get a hell of a lot of column inches and you know, newsrooms will be ded- dedicating a hell of a lot of resources to to covering the fallout from it and and wanting write-ups and 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 follow-ups on it and trying to glean as much detail as possible but i think for everyone it would have been a lot more preferable to have done it during the close season um and and united i suspect in time will explain why there's been a delay to that and why it's come why it's due to come or when when it does come why it came at that time and they've just, you know, they've told us about discussing it with stakeholders and members of the women's team. Uh, yeah, everybody knew that there was going to be a World Cup in a women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. And there was going to be a high chance of United women's players representing their nations there. Um, again, th- that process has, has got to be clarified when it does come to the point that United communicate it. But so far, it's it's not it's. N- to me anyway it, it looks like they've they've lost their nerve because they imposed this deadline and they've not they're not going to communicate it before then
Yeah, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head perfectly there. I think I'd echo those views, but you're right in the sense that it is obviously a massive, it's a colossus decision and a lot of shareholders, sorry, stakeholders as well, need to be consulted on the matter. But to rumble on for six and a half months to get to this point, to kind of expect the decision and then for it to delay uh, to come in, it is a bit disappointing. Um, obviously, we'll hope to have a decision sooner rather than later. And I'll be meeting uh, a few members of that group as well, the protest group who are protesting against Greenwood's uh, return. Uh, next week so for any listeners look out for that piece on the MEN I'll be doing an interview uh, with a few of those um, members so an interesting uh, uh, article nonetheless anyway Samuel we'll wrap that up there Uh, thank you very much for your time as usual thanks a lot Stephen appreciate it any plans for this weekend any any noteworthy plans uh, to to try and overcome this cold uh, but but beyond that it will be working I've I've seen Barbie in the cinemas, oh, okay. believe it or not. I've I've seen Lord, that. I've, I've done the uh, I've done the I've done the Barbenheimer double bill. <laughs> I would give Barbie I'd give Barbie seven out of ten, but four stars. I'd give Oppenheimer nine out of ten, but five stars. So my my player ratings extend to to film <laughs> ratings as well. Yeah, I thought so, Oppenheimer yeah. was excellent. To be fair, I think you you like Christopher Nolan just as much as I do. His films are excellent and Tenet. Yeah, was I, I, yeah. two years ago. That was when when cinema was just coming out of COVID, but that was great to see. Uh, Tenet uh, was a few years ago, yeah. yeah but no, I, I I was uh, I think I was I was thirteen, and uh, this this is going to make me feel very old, and you feel very very young <laughs> probably. But I was I, I, the t- Tesco always had the DVD shelves up, and I always liked to get a DVD on a shopping trip to Tesco, and I saw this film that looked, that was called Memento, and I thought that looks interesting. I was thirteen at the time, and watched it not really look back as far as uh, Christopher Nolan's work is that's, that's is, interesting is concerned, you say that, so. I, was, I was discussing that film with my flatmate yesterday uh, he watched it and he said he had to turn it off what would you say to that statement because I was going really? to watch it on Netflix I've, I've dear, never seen one right, yeah it's one of the oh. Nolan films that I've never seen it's on a, um, I think it's on iPlayer so it's it's well worth watching but watch it on your own concentrate and uh and then rewatch it as well because you will need to rewatch it. But that's that's a great thing about his films. His, his films are rewatchable. And the prestige. Just, each, people, people forget to mention the prestige, was, but that's just one last thing. That's that's was, amazing. Was DVD, Samuel. It was actually DVDs. When, when was that? What, what's a DVD? <laughs> yes, Excellent. I know. Anyways, we'll there, even uh, even the uh, the parental guidance stick. Yeah, even the parental guidance sticker on it was uh, probably from a land before time forgot or what have you. Yeah, it's it, it it was it was older back then, but yeah, I know it's it's you can't beat having something to hand anyway. I agree. Don't you worry. I had blockbusters in my time. I'm not that young. Uh, anyways, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks to the listeners as usual. Head across and check out the podcast on all the usual big audio platforms, Spotify, Apple, etc. And we're always told to give the YouTube channel a plug these days. We're, we're taking along nicely with the subscribers. And we've got Eric Tenog's press conferences uploaded on our YouTube channel as well. So have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the game on Monday. We'll be back next week. Take care.